And we're so thankful uh, for Pastor Paul and Miss Karen and their ministry and uh, their faithful example uh, to each and every one of us. In fact, if you will, let's just give one more round of applause and let's stand to just honor them. love you and are very thankful uh, for you and, and, and looking forward to celebrating uh, many more years together as we minister and serve the Lord. Uh, what a great picture. Uh, that was Laura Weeks' voice, by the way, and Laura's sitting up here on the front row, and uh, we're also thankful she contributed to that. I, I don't know if this is the plan, but I hope we put all of those videos together. Okay, good. All right. I just got up here and just assumed we were going to do that. And uh, so we'll put all those videos together so we can all watch them at one time and share them with you in the, in the coming weeks uh, so that you can enjoy them uh, going forward uh, as we consider those matters. One thing we forgot to mention, Pastor Paul, is you were thanking everyone for uh, their work in the fall festival was my work in the fall festival. <laughs> yes, I appreciate the... Uh, <laughs> They, they told me, they said, now, Nick, we don't want you doing anything, okay? All you have to do is talk to people. I said, okay, I can do that. And they said, don't do anything else, okay? You can't do anything else. So I added one more thing, and I tested all the food, okay? And so the food was excellent. So literally my whole job yesterday was to talk to people, invite them to church, and eat all the food. And so as we were cleaning up, Brent Witchy walked up to me and he said, man, it'd be nice to be a pastor because all you do is eat and talk. <laughs> I texted him yesterday to make sure he was going to be here so I could call him out. Uh, Fall Festival was excellent yesterday. I know we mentioned that. And you think about the temporal service of an eternal impact. And that's exactly what took place yesterday. And so we pray God uses that, and not just to have fun, but also to see many souls uh, come to know Jesus Christ uh, through that ministry. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of James, James chapter 3 this morning. We're moving on from James chapter 2. We finished James' discussion on real faith, revealing real fruit, and now James is going to move uh, into a physical example of what it looks like to live out your faith. And it may surprise you, but it is the tongue. It is your mouth. It is your speech. Because here's the deal. One way, probably one of the most important ways you want to show your faith today is by the way you talk by the way you use your mouth, by the way you speak. And I believe James knew that, and so he takes a moment to expound upon the tongue and how to control it because the matter, the important thing to remember in all of this is that your spiritual growth to become more like Christ begins with how you speak. And so James is looking at the importance of the tongue today. Does your walk, if there was a question here, does your walk match your talk? Or does your talk match your walk? James is going to be concerned with that matter. And I already know uh, that the first 12 verses will address the tongue. And we're only going to get through eight of them this morning and cover the next, uh, the next time I preach. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask a few questions to get started this morning. This is the audience participation of 
the service. So you were not aware when you walked in that you were going to participate, but you're going to participate today. So I'm going to ask a question, and if you can agree with the question, I want you to raise your hand because I'm trying to make sure everybody is on the same page here. So the first question is this. Have you ever in your life said something that you shouldn't have said? All right, every hand should be up in here. If it's not up in here, just go ahead and leave because the service isn't for you today, all right? You don't need it. All right, second question. How many of you have said something this week you should not have said? Ernie's like right away, right, this week. So probably most hands today, if not all of us, have said something or even thought something we should not have said or thought. Now, last question. Last question, and this one you don't have to answer. I'll let you off the hook, so you don't have to raise your hand or shout anything out. I just want you to think about it. Here's the deal. This past year, if someone had paid you $10 for every kind word you have ever spoke to another person this year, how many $10 bills would you have? Now think about this. And also, if somebody were to collect $5 for every unkind word you have said this past year, would you be rich or would you be poor? Think about that now. Would you be rich or would you be poor? What you say and how you say it matters. It matters for your life and it matters for your Christian walk. Experts in the field of speech say that the average person creates 12,000 sentences that are composed of 50,000 words every single day. I put that uh, number on the screen for you. If you were to put that into print, that's every day, if you were to print out the words that you say, it would be a physical book of about 150 pages. How many of you would want to read that book? Okay. How many of you think that book would be on the New York Times bestsellers? I doubt it. <laughs> Eric Perdue the only one. He says it's going to be on there. <laughs> I doubt we would want most people reading every single word we say every single day. But yet, many of us forget the importance of the word. And James is going to remind us today that if you want to check your faith, if you want to make sure your faith is real, if you want to make sure you're walking with Jesus today, you better watch your mouth. J. Vernon McGee put it this way. I thought it was good. He says, it takes a baby two years to learn how to talk and then 50 years to learn how to keep quiet. (laughs) That's good, isn't it? We're going to learn how to be quiet today in order to control our tongue because the main idea, the ultimate message, the big point I want you to get today is that growth in the Christian life takes place when we watch what we say. Growth in the Christian life takes place when we watch what we say. Yet the question remains, how do we go about watching what we say or even typing what we type on the internet. How do we go about watching what we say? I believe James is going to give us three things, three things in James chapter 3 that we must understand about the tongue or about our mouths so that we can watch what we say. And when we take these three things into consideration, you and I can better watch it so that we can learn to walk as 
Jesus would walk. And I already know we're only going to get through two of these this morning. And uh, we'll get the final one here uh, coming up. The first thing that we must watch, as we'll see in James chapter 3 this morning, is this. The tongue is powerful. The tongue is powerful. It is a powerful member of our body, if not the most powerful member of our bodies. I want you to see this if you have your Bibles open to James chapter 3. Look at verse 1. The way James begins this chapter is interesting, but I think it's important for all of us to consider. He says this now, My brethren, be not many masters, or some of your translations might say teachers. Be not many teachers knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, knowing that we shall be held accountable for the way we speak. He's speaking directly to those who teach and preach, because here's the deal. Back then, there were many people who wanted to teach and preach. They were running to the members of the church, the leaders in the church, and they were telling them that I want to speak. And James is saying, slow down now, because you will be held accountable for the way you speak. You will be held accountable for the way you talk. You will be held accountable for that, the things you study. You will be judged more strictly. Because teachers in the church today those who speak God's word, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a BSF teacher, whether you teach children, whether you teach the students, you are giving off influence to those that you are leading. And therefore, James says, you are under more accountability. You're more responsible. You're going to be held to a higher standard. And so, friend, do you want a position here? Don't forget the penalty. I just want to challenge those who teach today for a second, those who preach. I'm speaking to myself as well. Have you considered the responsibility if you want the respect? And by the way, if you teach at BSF today, if you teach children, if you teach youth, whatever age you're at, if you open God's word and you're leading them, have you considered the fact that you will stand before Christ for the way that you handle the text? That's a scary thing. It, it, it bothers me many times as I sit up here preparing to preach because I know in my own heart I want to make sure that I'm right before the Lord so that I can stand up here and preach. I want to make sure that I've taken the time to study God's Word, to make sure that I've expounded upon exactly what He said. And in today's age, there are many pastors or so-called pastors who take no time or very little time to actually understand God's Word. I, I have watched many today who, who literally will open God's word and say something that is not there. They are doing what we call eisegesis. They are inserting their own thought into the text instead of expounding God's thoughts. And I'm thankful today that I've come to a church and that I serve at a church that has never done that. For many, many years, we have sat under a pastor. You have sat under a pastor who has expounded God's thoughts. Not his thoughts, but God's thoughts. And I pray 
And I hope and we ask the Lord to continue to bless that. You have to watch yourself, though, as you prepare to teach. You will be held to a higher standard. Now, some of you are sitting there, and you are the ministry leader for the nursery. Miss Tracy is hearing this. Miss Christy is hearing this. Kobe is hearing this. And he's saying, Pastor Nick, you are shutting down all the volunteer lines. <laughs> you were saying, I was just about to volunteer for that third grade Sunday school class, but I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> I was just about to volunteer to teach in the student ministry or just about to volunteer in the nursery, but I'm not going to do it because of this accountability. Listen, that's not what James' point here. James is not trying to get you to step out of the volunteer line. And I'm not either. I'm not trying to say, listen, you don't need to volunteer. All I'm trying to say is consider the impact that you are making through your words. Why? Because the tongue is powerful. The tongue is powerful. It's influential. It has a lot to say. And by the way, I, I think about this often. Pastoring may not be the most dangerous, although sometimes it is. Pastoring may not be the most dangerous job on the planet on this side of eternity. But on the other side of eternity, it is the most dangerous job when it comes to the eternal ramifications of what we do from the pulpit because we expound the very words of God. And so it's important that we consider the power of the tongue and the power of the influence we have. So you want the accolades, you want the influence, don't treat it lightly. And then here's what James does. He moves to verse 2, and he goes from the teacher-preacher, he goes from the leader to the congregation. So you're not off the hook today. So don't think that I'm just preaching to myself and Pastor Paul and Pastor Harley this morning. I'm preaching to all of us, and James is as well. Look at verse 2. Here's what he says. For in many things we offend all. I love that, that James includes himself in that. Isn't that nice to know that the author of the own uh, book on uh, the tongue here includes himself? He says, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word... The same man is a perfect man. And if you've been with us through this study, you will know that when James uses the word perfect, he's referring to maturity, the mature believer. He says, is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Again, it's nice to know that James includes himself there. Did you know that there are many people throughout the Bible that struggled to control their tongue? You think about it. If you look at Isaiah, Isaiah himself would admit that he did not have clean lips. Moses could not control his speech. He had bouts of anger. You look at Job even. We talk about the patience of Job, and yet Job many times will admit that he could not control his own tongue, even to the Savior of the universe. The very God who created him, he could not hold his tongue. He struggled, and James struggled, the half-brother of Jesus, and we struggle to hold our tongues, to bring it under our control. Now, some of you are sitting there, and you're saying, but Pastor Nick, you don't know me. I do control my tongue. I, I, I don't lose it. It, it. It's under control. I close my mouth. I don't always speak wrongly. And yet I would argue that that's not true because the Bible makes it very clear that we all deal with this sin problem. It's a struggle. It's a challenge. But the mature believer is the one 
who controls it. Now, does that mean this? Does that mean you say, well, Pastor Nick, since I can't control it, do I need to give up? No. Do I, do I need to quit? Of course not. It, it, what is Christianity? It's a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. It, it's not something that you, you just take a few steps and you're done. The Christian life is one step after another. And when you fall, what do you do? You get back up. You get back up. You continue to keep going. You continue to walk and continue to talk as you should. I like what Stephen Davey says about this. He puts it this way. He said, the Christian life of maturity is nothing more than a series of new starts. That's good. The Christian life is nothing more than a series of new starts. So, friend, how you doing? Let me challenge you to consider those steps you're taking. Have you messed up this week with your tongue? Have you said something you shouldn't have said? Have you not lived out what you're supposed to be doing? The Bible says get back up. Continue on. Keep going. Notice in verse 3 through 5 of James chapter 3, James is going to give three illustrations of the power of the tongue. And I'm getting somewhere with this. I just want to read them here to you. Verse 3 says this, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole bodies. Let me show you what a bit looks like. Show you a picture here. Something very small, but if you put a bit inside of a horse's mouth, if you've ever uh, uh, got on a horse, you can know that you can control the horse, something a lot larger with a small bit like this. Now, you probably see where I'm going here, but let me continue on. Verse 4, notice verse 4. He says, Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet, what, are they turned about with the very small helm, the rudder. The rudder is small, but what does it do? It controls the ship. It controls the direction it goes. Verse 5, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a master a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. Notice with just a spark, just a match, you can literally start a forest fire that destroys thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. And what James is saying is, is the tongue is the same way. Even though the tongue is so small, even though it's just a little muscle in your body, it still can destroy many, many things. Think about this with me. With your tongue, you can either save your marriage or destroy your marriage. With your tongue, you can ruin your career or save your career. Have you thought about that? With your tongue, you can ruin a team or you can unify a team with your tongue. You can raise your children right, or you can destroy their lives simply by the words you say. You can accept an invitation to ruin your life by just your tongue, or you can save it with just a few words. And by the way, let me remind you of this too, friend. You can make your decision for eternity by the use of your tongue. You can decide to go to heaven or you can decide to go to hell simply by the use of your tongue. 
Now you tell me, is the tongue powerful or is it powerful? The tongue's a powerful thing, and you better make sure you have it under control. I was thinking about this this week as I was looking at the news and talking to Hannah. If you look at the tongue, uh, many times today in our culture, it's not so much about what is right and wrong, but it's about who controls the narrative. You think about that. For a second, if you can control the narrative, if you can control the story, you win the day. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. You can go to CNN and you can watch a story that they present on CNN and they're trying to tell it and interpret it and uh, promote their side of things. And then you flip over to Fox News and what happens? They'll interpret and tell it their way, right? They're just trying to control it. Because why? The tongue is powerful. And through the tongue, you can control. Whether it's right or wrong, you can control it because it is a powerful member of your body. One of my favorite things to do uh, is watch uh, history movies. I'm, I'm a history buff, especially when it comes to World War II, and I love to learn about guys like Winston Churchill. Now, Winston Churchill had many flaws, but there are many good things about Winston Churchill as well. And one thing that he could do very well was not take a photo, by the way, <laughs> if you look at that. <laughs> uh, that wasn't in the notes. I just saw the photo up there and thought it was funny. One thing he could do very well, though, was speak. Now, he never... He never in World War II fought, but he did give several, several speeches in order to control what took place. And uh, a, a few years ago, I watched the movie called The Darkest Hour. How many of you have seen the movie The Darkest Hour? If you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you. You could probably find it now on Netflix or somewhere uh, online. It's one of the strongest cases for this point I'm trying to make. Uh, Winston Churchill uses his tongue in a powerful way in order to control the narrative of what's taking place. I found this funny. He was arguing one day with a female politician. I told this joke or story to Hannah last night. She got a good laugh out of it. But he was arguing one day with a female politician, and he was so good with his words that this female politician said to him, she said this, she said, Churchill, if I were your wife, I'd put arsenic in your tea. He responded and he said, if I was your husband, I'd drink it. <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> he was sharp. He could use his tongue well. But in the darkest hour in that movie, his leaders are sitting around this table at one point and they're trying to argue on whether or not they're going to give in to the Germans. And Hitler is trying to propose a plan to them to literally come and join them and he won't take them over and he'll supply these things for them and he's making all these empty promises. And finally, Winston Churchill, he takes his fist and he bounds it on the table like this and he hits it and he says this and I love it. He says that you cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. And I heard that and I said, let's go to war. <laughs> like, I'm ready, you know. I'm ready to go fight the Germans. I'm like excited about it, right? He got me going. You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. 
And everybody got quiet. And then it goes on as the story goes, and they go through Dunkirk, and they do all these different things. And then at the end, they show his most famous speech of all, the one that he gives there that's the never surrender speech. You probably heard that before. Never, never, never give up. And as a result of that speech, along with many other things, they end up winning against the Germans and going forward, all to show the power of the tongue. Literally, through just a few words. A man like Winston Churchill was able to convince a whole nation, a whole people, not to give up. Why? Because the tongue is powerful. And friend, it's the same thing in your life today. Your tongue can either hurt someone or help someone. Your tongue can either tear someone down or your tongue can actually lift someone up. We have a great responsibility. And God knows exactly what you say, by the way. There's a verse in Psalms that I've memorized that says, would not God, I've shared it before, would not God discover this? Why would I do this? God would discover it. He knows it. He knows your thoughts. He knows your actions. He knows your words. And today, when you manipulate others, God's displeased with manipulation. When you decide to tear someone down over a text, God sees that. When you try to control someone through your words, when you demean somebody today, when you hurt somebody, God sees it. It's not hidden from his sight. And by the way, too, that includes speaking your mind. <laughs> There's a lot of Christians today who actually think speaking their mind is a spiritual gift. <laughs> have you ever met a Christian that says, well, I have the spiritual gift of speaking my mind, or I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm? <laughs> There's people, sometimes I feel like that. I tell people I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm, right? We, we think that we have these spiritual gifts and we try to put it under this mantra, this tent of, oh, God will overlook that thing. I remember John Wesley telling a story. He ran into a woman, the founder of the Methodist denomination. He, he ran into this woman and the woman walked up to him and she said, John Wesley, I think I've discovered my uh, talent and he said, oh, what is that? She said, well, I think it's the talent of speaking my mind. <laughs> and he looked at her and he said, well, I think God wouldn't mind if you just go ahead and bury that talent. <laughs> it's the same thing for you and me. Uh, I, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but God didn't give you the spiritual gift of speaking your mind. God didn't give you the spiritual gift of sarcasm today. God didn't give you the, the, the spiritual gift of, of saying whatever comes to your thoughts today. See, there are many Christians today who sit in the pews, and not just at gospel, I'm not just speaking to you here today, and, and, and as Wayne says, stepping on your toes. It's, it happens all the time. Christians literally take the opportunity to say what they want because they think God will never see it. But yet God sees everything we do and will judge us based upon what we say and how we live and what we do, especially with our tongues. We have to be careful because the tongue can hurt, but also the tongue can help. I want you to hear that today. I want to encourage you for a second. The tongue can also help. You know, there are some people in this room today that need your help. They need you to uplift them. They need you to write a text. 
They need you to send an email this week. They need you to write a card. I received a card this week from somebody here at the church, and it was so encouraging. Made my day, literally, with just a few words. Just a few words can literally change somebody's day and somebody's life. I mean, the gospel message is just a few words, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again, according to the scriptures. That changes somebody's life for eternity. Just a few words. Friends, the same thing with you. Your words can either hurt or help. They're that powerful. And I pray that if you're seeking to be a help, that you'll learn to give counsel and you'll learn to encourage through your words today because we have a great responsibility. Not only though, and I have to move quickly here, not only though is the tongue powerful, but let me finish here, the tongue is perverse. The tongue is perverse. Notice verse 6 here, it says this, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Notice that now. Where does the perverse tongue come from? Hell. The perverse tongue is satanic. The tongue that speaks evil is from hell. Man, listen, if you're not convicted about anything today, let that convict you. That when you speak evil of other people, when you speak defilement, you're speaking from a place of hell. The tongue is perverse. Verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But notice this now, but the tongue, but the tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. James is making the point here that we've tamed all of these animals. You think about it, not every animal we've tamed, but we've tamed a lot of animals today. The lion, the, the tiger, the bear, the, the, the sea animals. We've tamed these different animals, but guess, guess what? He says the tongue is something that has not been tamed. And so you have to work hard in order to tame it. And he says the only way you're going to do that is by the grace of God. You know, you see, James doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't just say that the, the tongue is deadly. He says that there's a man who died on a cross who can help you tame it. Uh, even though the, the, the tongue is out of control, there's a man who went to a cross so that you can control it. And friend, through the grace of God, you can learn to control that tongue. I like what Thomas Menton, he's a, a 17th century Puritan. I'll put his quote on the screen. He said this about the tongue. He said, Our difficulties and impossibilities regarding these battles with the tongue are established so that we may continually run to God. Although we have lost our power, God has not lost his ability. That's good. That's good. Though we cannot bridle it, God can we need his help i remember i'll tell this story and i'll be done i i remember uh, a few years ago i received uh, a, one of those scathing emails from somebody about a ministry that we were doing at a previous church and have you ever received like an email or a text where you just like want to reach to the screen and punch the other person okay right not you just me okay well i've received them all right so i received this email this lady was complaining uh nice lady was complaining about something we were doing in ministry together and i remember reading that thing and typing out my response and man i was like so 
excellent in my sarcastic remarks. And if I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm and speaking my mind, I used it right there, let me tell you. So I wrote out this diatribe, and I'm about to send it. And I said, hey, Hannah, look at this. Let me just get your opinion on what you think about this email. Well, she looked at it, and she said, you know you shouldn't send that. And I said, nobody ask you. (laughs) I said, well, you're right. So I deleted it. And since then, I've shared this principle with you, but I I try to wait about 24 hours. If there's like a response that somebody said to me that I don't like, I try to, I'm not always great at it, but I always try to wait at least 24 hours before making a decision on saying something because I promise you, you can't take it back, all right? One thing you can do is keep your mouth shut, but you can't take back when you open up your mouth, okay? And so I decided, well, I'm going to wait 24 hours. So I waited 24 hours. Proverbs 15.1, that's a good verse to memorize, came to my mind. It says, a soft answer what? turns away wrath. Yeah. So that verse came to my mind through the power of the Holy Spirit, not because of anything I did. And I'm not perfect at this, but it came to my mind. So the next day I waited and I responded. And I think I simply just said, I appreciate you letting me know this. We'll get it fixed or something like that. A few hours later, she responded. And you know what she did? She apologized. She said, I shouldn't have said what I said. That was the wrong attitude I had. And I should not have sent that email. And I want to be like, you're exactly right. (laughs) I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I wanted to. I didn't do that. But I sat there and thought, now that doesn't always happen with you, by the way. I don't tell that story to say, well, it's going to be roses the whole time. When you respond in the right way, when you don't use your tongue like you should, you're you're going to come out feeling so much more blessed and everybody's going to apologize to you. That's not always going to happen. But here's the deal. When you stand before the Lord... I don't want to say this, and I want to be clear today. When you stand before the Lord, I promise you, I want to stand there, and I want to say, Lord, I held my tongue. God, I didn't speak my mind. God, I didn't come back with that sarcastic remark. And God says, well, how'd you respond to that person? Well, I I won the argument. (laughs) I was arguing with my spouse. I won that argument, Lord. I had an argument with a coworker. I won it. No, I want to stand before the Lord. I want to say, God, I was able to hold my tongue through your grace. Because you went to the cross, I could control what I say. One of the greatest ways you're going to overcome and grow in your spiritual life is to learn to control your tongue. We're going to continue to look at that, but I think there's three quick ways. If you're taking notes, three quick ways, 30 seconds here. I want you, number one, to pray. Ask the Lord, God, give me grace. Give me grace to control my tongue. Secondly, memorize scripture. God speaks through his word. Make sure that you have some verses in mind. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. There's several other ones. Learn to control your lips, right? And then lastly, learn to be slow. Learn to be slow. Learn not to speak quickly. Take 24 hours. Take 48 hours. If you send me an email and I don't respond in 24 hours, you know I'm mad at you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Learn, though, not to speak quickly. Learn to keep your mouth closed, and God will honor that, I promise you. We'll finish the third point here in the next few weeks, but I pray that we will honor God, grow spiritually by controlling our tongue. Let's pray together this morning. Friend, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're sitting here this morning 
as the musicians come, we won't take much time here. I want you to know the altar is open. If you hear and you say, Pastor Nick, I am not a man, I'm not a woman, I'm not a teenager that controls my tongue like I should, but I want to be, I want to encourage you that God gives you the time here, sitting in the pew, at the altar, wherever you're at, to deal with the Lord. To make sure that you are right before him when it comes to your speech. God will forgive you. He promises that if you confess, if you confess, he will forgive and help you. So I pray that we'll do that. Lord, as we come to this time of invitation, I pray as the spirit moves in this room through the preaching of your word, that you will guide each individual here to consider their mouths and consider their tongues. I pray, Lord, that you will use this time to help us become more like your son. And specifically, as we look at James 3, to become more like your son by the use of our tongues. Lord, I pray this now that you bless it. In your son's name, amen. Amen.